Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. On today's show, we're going to be talking about trees, as well as a bunch of other things, with my guest today, who is Mike Toffin. He is the Executive Director of Project Forest. Welcome to the show, Mike. Really good, Lance. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks a lot for joining me. I'm in the studio um, here, just wrapped up some filming, and so my background is a little bit different. Hopefully the audio is coming through not too bad and we don't have any technical issues. But uh, I wanted to start off today by just asking you, um, what are, in your opinion, three things that every entrepreneur needs to know? And I'm going to jot them down while you're talking about them. Yeah, 100%. Thanks for uh, and thanks for having me today, Lance. This should be a, a fun conversation. What number yeah. one is, uh, you know, when you start a new business for profit, nonprofit, like we are change is inevitable, and you need to prepare for it and you need to embrace it. Um, when we started Project Forest, I had a pretty clear vision of where I thought things were going to go. And you know, you never get it right the first time right out of right out off the bat. And yeah. um, there's obviously some changes I would have done with launch. But change, right? So, you know, be prepared, reassess, reevaluate, you know, it's a windy path, and be comfortable with it, because there's opportunity, and there's successes in that change. Um, I mean, probably sound like a broken record, if you ask everybody, but you I mean, there's a lot of work, you know, some folks think of a grand notion, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to start my own business, and I'm just going to, you know, sit on the beach and, you know, trade stocks all day, yeah. drink, <laughs> drink pina coladas, right. that is, that is not the case. Um, yeah. But I mean, that leads into my third one is is be passionate about the work. So if you're passionate and you find a way to really engage with your work, really engage with, you know, the community that you're building, the hard work is, um, it's not easy, but it's much, much easier because you're, you're doing something that you believe in. And when you do something you believe yeah. in, um, that, that passion shines through and you can, you can really get a lot accomplished. Yeah, completely. And so I, I didn't act actually ask you this at the beginning before we hit the record button. Um, so clarify, is uh, Project Forest a nonprofit or is that a for-profit? Project Forest is a nonprofit, you bet. Okay. Yeah. okay yeah, and we, uh, well, yeah, tell us a little bit more about what it is that you guys do. No, for sure. We, we help companies solve their ESG, CSR, and carbon reduction challenges. And we do that by identifying non-productive agriculture land that's found within indigenous communities land or with conservation groups and then our financial partners fund that rewilding work it's really nice for us to be able to work with corporations literally of all sizes some of the largest in the world the largest retail company in in the world is ikea they're a project forest partner and then we have awesome. a small partner out in saskatchewan autumn goose coaching she's a one-woman coaching show and she's a project forest partner so we wanted to create a platform where really folks who believe sustainability is important and a part of one of their corporate core values can partner with us and we can provide meaningful, tangible on the ground impact. There's a lot of other folks in kind of this NGO space operating in different parts of the world, you know, rewilding really important places in Africa, South America, you know, places yeah. like that. There is a big gap in Canada. A lot of those dollars get deployed overseas. And what we notice is uh, the companies here in our own backyard had very few options on who to partner with to do something, mm -hmm. you know, Canadian based and more specifically Alberta based. So we created an organization to really help them solve that challenge and be able to go experience these places themselves with their employees, with their clients and with their families. Uh, really cool. And so 
I would imagine like there's a lot of other carbon capture um, organizations and schemes out there. I know coming from an agriculture background, you know, there'd be guys traveling around our community once in a while and talking about, uh, you know, enrolling some of our farm acres into, um, you know, some sort of carbon capture um, plan there. And so that was more from a cropping standpoint as opposed to a tree standpoint. So the trees, the forest, the rewilding that you guys are focused on then, this is for permanent then. This is, this is turning that land back into a forest. Yeah, the term I like to use is a forever forest. So we, we take areas yeah. that are not necessarily being used to their highest capacity, you know, a marginal hay crop at best, sometimes being grazed, sometimes literally sitting stagnant, and we repurpose them and bring them back to their original condition. Um, yeah. One thing to really, ra- or one message that I really try and get out is for Project Forest, carbon capture, carbon sequestration is a result of doing rewilding the right way. It is Mm -hmm. not our main goal or main objective. There's a lot of other things. And when you stack those values, what we're able to offer, you know, our partners is is a pretty compelling story, which I'm sure we're going to get into later. But, you know, if we were just focused on carbon capture using trees, I'd be planting two species. It'd most likely be white spruce and hybrid poplar. You know, they last for a long time. They'd suck up a whole bunch of carbon, but you wouldn't get a really diverse ecosystem and all the other benefits that come with a rewilded forest. Yeah. Yeah. So it's beyond just the carbon capture, really. It's about creating uh, a, a forest. It's not just growing trees. Yeah. And I mean, one of our one of our core values is community. Right. And and I mean, yeah. for us to go rewild a space in the middle of the forest, there's obviously benefits to Earth. There's obviously benefits to the environment. But when we can connect with people and we can actually make a difference in how somebody lives their life because we've created this new forest funded by our partners, um, that's pretty meaningful and impactful. And, and that's one of the things that I think really differentiates how we approach this space versus other people out there. Um, because we yeah. do engage with our communities and the end result isn't necessarily the vision I had in my head. It comes through consultation and conversation. Say, what does the community want? What does the land want? What does the land need? And that's the forest we're going to build. Yeah, yeah, really cool. So what's your background then? How did you get into doing this? Yeah, I'm a I'm a forester by trade. Um, you know, yeah. if you if you go back far enough in time before I had some gray in my beard, uh, I was uh, I was I went to the University of Alberta and Nate, both in forestry, and then started my career working as a civiculture forester, actually for um, Miller Western Forest Products, which was you know an Alberta-based company, family and privately owned for a lot of years, and then after yeah. that. I transitioned over and brought that civiculture skill set to the energy industry. In 2010, the reclamation criteria changed in Alberta, and there was a huge lack of civiculture knowledge. So I started working, you know, on reclamation projects all over the province, and then transitioned over to a company called Tree Time Services. And that's really where there's a really cool relationship between Project Forest and Tree Time, because Tree Time's the marketing agent for a number of different nurseries in the province called Coast to Coast Reforestation. And not to get too much into the weeds, but that group has the ability to produce 65 million seedlings per year, five different facilities across the province and also have access to the largest privately held seed bank in the province. It isn't a forest product company. So when I have direct access to nurseries, I have direct access to seed, I have the skill set to, you know, come up with a rewilding plan and direct access to tree planters. We're one of the few organizations that through our group of companies and, you know, our associations, we can get everything done in one house. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. 
Okay, so so getting back to your journey, then you started this uh, not for profit back in two thousand. So in the fall of two thousand, in the middle of the pandemic, twenty twenty, right? or sorry, yeah, twenty twenty, <laughs> not two thousand. <laughs> uh, just just two decades off. Yeah, no big deal. So, but anyway, at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, and so so this is uh, something that's been born from it. So why did you start it then? Was that something where you had been planning and it's just, well, this is just the time we're going to keep moving forward? Or did you see an opportunity? Uh, what was uh, the story around the timing? Things kind of started to come to fruition in 2019, pre-COVID. Um, and we did see an opportunity. There's more, like everybody's seen these Amazon commercials. Hey, we're going to get to net zero by 2030. Yeah. We know we're going to do it, but we don't know how we're going to get there. And I started seeing all this messaging come up and we've heard the term ESG investing, ESG, ESG, you go into Yahoo Finance and all these publicly traded companies are reporting on sustainability. That's a tab on Yahoo Finance. And I'm like, how, how can we help? There's got to be something here in Alberta. Yeah. It's difficult to go plant trees on private land. So it took a little bit of work. We engaged actually with a marketing company, did some market research and really identified that gap. Like I said in the beginning, there's all these really cool projects happening around the world. But then you look at a map of the globe and there's no pins on Canada or very few. And I mean, there's a few good reasons for it, but I'm like, we can solve this challenge. The opportunity is being, you know, knowing that people are looking to fund stuff like this. They're having to go other places around the world. Why the heck can't we work in our own backyard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you decided to do it. And so in the two years that you've been doing this now, what are some of the things that uh, have been challenging that you've had to overcome, especially or potentially through COVID, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you go back to when we launched, I had, I'll call it grand notions of going to conferences, meeting people face to face and interacting in a way that I normally do. And for our first year, 99% of our conversations were like this, um, having to reach out and network with people on LinkedIn, probably the same type of challenges a lot of other people have gone through. It's just okay, yeah. trying to find the right keyword searches, trying to fight the right, find the right job titles. You know, my, my target market actually switched a couple times when we launched. I'm like, okay, I can talk to salespeople because salespeople are going to be able to bring this story, kind of tie the, the tree planting with their corporation into their mm -hmm. sales pitch. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I was way off. And I'm like, maybe we need to chat with sustainability people. And, you know, maybe 15, 25% of our, our partners have sustainability in their job title. And where I'm finding myself um, is the corporate and social investment groups of larger companies where, okay. you know, companies that do have a footprint or really most publicly traded companies have this social investment group where they're looking to make impact with different charities and different nonprofits across all the places that they operate. And yep. coming up with a solution for them to fund work like this um, with an organization that knows what we can do has resonated in a pretty meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how that's where you're finding most of the success with the large companies is, and you mentioned though, that you're dealing with large, huge companies, but uh, also the, the small independent person is uh, a solopreneur even. And so uh, what mm -hmm. are you finding? Are you chasing after the big ones? Uh, and those ones are easier to land. Um, uh, I would imagine there's more benefit for you in focusing on those, but would tell me that mix of customer and, and how you approach the marketing to either or. 
We, uh, we were really lucky to be supported by Ernst & Young's Ripples program. So EY has a CSR program. Well, they do tons of pro bono work. We're actually just finishing our second iteration with them, specifically focusing on that type of stuff. Um, when I am addressing different segments of the market, the messaging is slightly different, but you know, I have a partner that comes in for $5,000. I got a partner that comes in for $100,000 to those groups when that's as much as they can afford to invest in our, our company. It's very important and it's very impactful and it actually requires the exact same amount of attention and care. And as yeah. we continue to grow as an organization, um, scaling is a problem when I have to provide the level of service that I'd like to to 15 or $25,000 partners versus $100,000 partner. Um, yeah. I've had the, or just before I was meeting with you today, actually I was touring with the Nature Conservancy of Canada on our first project area. Um, and I asked one of the one of the individuals on that tour, I'm like, what do you do? She's like, well, I deal with donators that fund between 500 and $5,000. And you know, another one of the folks in her, that I've been talking to, same thing. I'm like, what do you do? I was like, I deal with partners under $5,000. So I think as we continue to grow, we will have different folks in our team specializing in giving those groups exactly what they need. Because um, yeah. I have also noticed, and this is one thing I didn't expect, when we launched, getting non-allocated capital was a big challenge. Our sales mm -hmm. cycle is a lot longer than I thought. Um, I yeah. mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty positive guy and I always think everybody's you know, like, oh, I'm gonna have to hire 15, 20 people when we launch because the phones aren't gonna stop ringing. One of the challenges that we had um, is okay, it takes a while to get to know people. They're going to vet us. They're going to learn about our business and then they're going to put us in their next funding cycle. They yeah. have to budget for us appropriately. And most of those dollars are already allocated by the time I meet a new, a new potential partner. And, and yeah. that timeline was somewhat of a challenge. We are super lucky off the, off the hop. We launched prior to launch. I had two partners, one of them Tidewater Midstream, a publicly traded company out of Calgary. When a, when a, when a billion dollar company, um, is with you off the hop. Okay, now I can leverage that. Tidewater, trust me, you can trust me. And then we leverage that relationship into further more and more partnerships. But to get back to you know the smaller or the bigger one, in the beginning, we treated them the same way. Um, yeah. What I really needed as a new organization is as many partners as possible so I can give you a slide deck and be like, hey, these are our partners. As we start to really focus down and say, okay, which groups are interacting with us? I'm just now starting to capture the data of all my different potential partners. And we're going to be looking at number of employees. If you're a publicly traded company, your market cap, your annual revenues, I need to analyze that and see which groups are actually starting to come with us. Um, I want to be able to provide everybody the same level of excellence. I can't, you know, I get the $100,000 partner or the $5,000 partner. How many of the $5,000 partners do I need to make that maximum impact? I still want to have a yeah. home for them where we're struggling or, you know, one of the challenges I get to solve in the next 365 days is finding, you know, that really good templated product. So the $5,000 partner can get benefit from us because I do want to maintain yeah. those relationships. They're super important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, I, like with any business, it might start out as a 5,000 or it slowly starts to grow. And then also 
the, the connections and the network effect that occurs, then it might open up a door or referral into a hundred thousand dollar customer, right? And so, very much so. yeah, you, it's difficult to turn someone away, especially in the early days, right? Oh, so, yeah, you're uh, saying yes, you're saying yes sometimes too often. And then the one thing that yeah. we're working on is, you know, how do you say no graciously? How do you say no, yeah. you know, when, when a potential opportunity comes up, it's like, okay, um, we can't say yes a hundred percent of the time anymore. And, you know, if I can say no graciously, we can leave on good terms and have a great relationship we just need to make sure it's the right fit for me and it's the right fit for you okay so tell me uh when you were making the decision when you were setting up the company to be a not-for-profit versus a for-profit walk me through that decision why did you choose to go not-for-profit yeah that's uh that was you know a, a day of discussion and some some in-depth research right it's an impo important yeah. important piece of the puzzle so the, the three decisions were for-profit b corp if you've heard of B Corps before, like sustainability yep. um, based for-profit organizations or nonprofit. Um, we ended up going for the nonprofit for a few reasons. I believe it's really important that when I work with a partner and you're providing us your capital to execute a project, if there's money left over at the end of the day, it's not going back to shareholders, it's going to the execution of our mission, which is to rewild Canada one force at a time. Additionally, yep. A great funding source is grant funding. Um, there's a lot of grant funding opportunities out there as a nonprofit. We're eligible and it opens a whole lot more doors. And those were kind of the two leading factors that said, why can't we be a nonprofit? As part of those discussions, did you know the NHL is a nonprofit? I didn't. Um, but that actual organization as a whole is a not, it's a not-for-profit, you know, professional yeah. sports league. The actual franchises, it's a little bit different, but the NHL as a whole, I'm like, well, if the NHL is nonprofit, why can't Project Forest be? Um, you're just wrapping my head around that, right? So yep. that's a that's a really important thing. Is how do we create maximum impact on the ground, and then how do we go about accomplishing that? And it's it seemed to work for us. So now that you've been running it for two years, is there anything that is unique or different about managing a nonprofit organization versus a for-profit <laughs> one? I laugh because I come from a for-profit background and yeah. um, for dollars to get into your bank account, it's it's really simple. Here's an invoice, pay your invoice. Yeah. We start getting these donations and you start getting different um, funding sources. A couple of our partners use an amazing platform called Benevity. Benevity is a technology company that allows folks like Pemina Pipelines, Gibson Energy, Synovus Energy to... Um, allocate a bunch of capital, add a vendor in the Benevity list, and then boom, all of a sudden money just shows up in your bank account. Um, we had to work with our accountants a bit and figure out how the heck do you account for this money? Um, it wasn't part of our thought process. It hasn't happened before. And the other challenge was like, okay, should we be charging GST? Yes or no? Like the, mm. the account and the answer is when we provide our partnership services, no, there, I mean, it, it's actually a sponsorship under the eyes of CRA and the way that we interact with our partners under the guidance of our accountants, right? Yeah. So some of these things that we didn't even think of, um, you know, talk about the challenges change, right? So we, we needed some pretty good accounting advice to actually align our books a little bit better with the nonprofit world. Our next change is people are asking and you know, it's an important question. Hey, Mike, what's your minute overhead? So we're realigning all of our financial reporting to mimic that of a charity, right? So uh, as we make yeah. that transition, we need to make sure we're speaking that same language. And it's very much defined. What is a min? What is overhead? What is mission driven work? 
And at the moment, we don't have the intention of transitioning to become a charity, but communicating in the same way just brings a level of transparency that's really important to us and really important to our partners. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some really interesting and unique differences, right? And I wouldn't have thought of half of those. And so that's, uh, we didn't either. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Now, when it comes to, you know, any business and then regardless whether it's a nonprofit or for-profit, uh, growth is, is usually on the table, right? And you have a very, uh, lofty mission, right? Your, your goal is to reforest Canada. And so that's going to require growth. What are some of the things that you think are going to be challenging that are in front of you now after doing this for two years and getting some momentum and, and really starting to, to, you know, position yourself within the marketplace of providing this service for people? What are the big challenges that are going to, going to be faced um, over the next couple of years? The one that is the highest on my radar right now is CRM, Client Resource Management. Mm-hmm. Um, at the mo- like when I'm I'm dealing with dollars right now, non-allocated capital for a nonprofit is hard to come by. We have our project funding comes in to execute the project, and then X amount gets pulled over for administration market or for administration and overhead. Um, yeah. Pulling dollars away to bring in some new technology. It's complicated unless it's budgeted properly. As we continue to grow, I have a pretty big spreadsheet with a whole bunch of data. And my risk is, do I spend a bunch of money on employee hourly rates or do we make a transition to technology to help manage that? So understanding the best way, because previous jobs, I I have 30, 60 clients, excuse me, that I deal with at max. I can deal with that on spreadsheets, but I have 20 to 25 different land partners that we're maintaining conversations with and hundreds of different partners that are either potential partners, they won't be partners or or current partners. How do you track all that stuff? I mean, there's technology out there. We're right now. Okay. We've identified that as an issue. We're going to go down and we're going to, uh, we're going to make some changes. I just don't know how we're going to do that yet. And the other thing is process flow. Um, As any organization grows, we need to make sure our processes are tight. We have a lot of deliverables and guarantees that we offer our partners, both financial and land. And after this second project that we just finished with EY, there's 60 or 70 different deliverables that, you know, we're excited to get to work on, but it's going to take some time. So we have to work through our strategic annual and quarterly planning processes. What's a reasonable amount of work that we can get done in a quarter um, and then plan accordingly. But for us to really bring the value that we need to our people, we're going to need to bring in some non-allocated funding sources and really focus on the process side of our business. Once that happens, then that scaling, then bringing on more people becomes so much easier. Because what I've learned through EY is I got a whole bunch of stuff in my head. It's good answers, but it's an incredible amount of work going to a piece of paper. Um, And it's been an amazing experience. But once we get things processed out, that's our next step. Then we can continue to grow and have more significant impact. Yeah, well, it sounds really similar to to a for profit, right? You're dealing with the same kind of challenges. Very much uh, for so. sure. Yeah. So now, now that you've been in it for two years, if you were to write your younger self, so Mike, two years ago when you were just starting the business, if you're writing yourself a letter, what would be in that letter? Um, I was kind of joking about this earlier. Drought is coming, right? So, like yeah. it, our first project area, um, we planted those trees and it didn't rain for ten weeks. 
So right. just need to be prepared for what that looks like and making sure we're having the right species mix, um, taking learning lessons from that. So, you know, we, we have climate change and you and I were kind of chatting about that. So as the climate changes, um, whatever that looks like, we need to make changes in our strategy as an organization where rewilding is what we do. Um, the other thing is the ESG is a dark science. Um, I talk about it a lot. It's like, hey, we are here to help solve corporations ESG challenges. And I chat with ESG experts. And I, you know, one of my aspirational goals is to actually get a one page piece of paper that says when you work with us, here's specifically exactly how you're going to be able to tell our story and incorporate that into your metrics. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. Um, because the that dark science, the ESG voodoo, the people who come up with the rating agencies, they don't share their secret formulas all that much. And we're still working on it. I know when you become a project forest partner and you tell that story in an effective way, you can have this increase that we're talking about. Where I, what, I'm, what I'm missing still is those metrics. I need to be able to talk with C-suite executives and say, when you become a partner, this is specifically where you're going to be able to incorporate us. To solve that challenge right now, we've latched on to the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals. There's 17 of them. Many organizations are using that for their CSR reporting. Go back two years ago, I mean, these came out in 2020, I believe. Mike, UN SDG goals, this is how you need to tell your story. Um, you know, what we're doing now is all of our annual project reporting and our annual corporate reporting will be templated with the different parts of the SDG goals that we, we meet, right? And then yeah. that's going to be very efficient for us to be able to communicate effectively um, across all of our different projects and then give our partners information they can cut and paste right into their sustainability report. If I yeah. would have been doing that for the last two years, I think we'd be actually a little bit further ahead in some of our communications efforts. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So what, uh, I, I guess, what keeps you up at night now? What, what is it that you lose sleep over? I'm just so excited about tomorrow that I can't fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what keeps you some passion. of the that's right. Um, I uh, I get worried about my sites. I really care about how they're doing, especially the first year. It's like, oh man, it hasn't rained. Oh no, now it's minus twenty and there's no snow. I need that snow to yeah. insulate the trees. Um, you know, I do guarantee, and Project Forest guarantees that our areas will transition from field to forest. It's a whole lot easier when the environment cooperates with you. So that stresses yeah. me out. Um, and I know we've done things the best that we can do. And then, you know, we just move forward with it. And, you know, there's a lot of work on our plate. So what we're doing right now, we, we have our communication specialists on board. It's really working through proper delegation, right? What work can I 100% pass on to other members of our team, allow them to own it, allow them to grow it. And, you know, and have them actually having board reporting responsibilities. The more of these things that I can delegate and, you know, actually we're in the process now of um, there's only so many balls in your box that you can accomplish, you know, in a 40 or a, call it a 60 hour work week. Yeah. The ones that hit the floor just aren't getting done. So we're picking yeah. them off the floor and then we're going to reevaluate which ones have remained on the floor as we continue to build the team and just, you know, go through not a shotgun approach, but a a very calculated expansion plan where we're evaluating the work that we're not getting done, prioritizing it, bringing on people where and when it makes sense. Yeah, no, very good. So 
Uh, Mike, I'm just curious, like in terms of people uh, reaching out to you, is there um, a website? Is there like, what's the best way for people to either uh, reach out to find out more about you or to, uh, you know, express an interest in partnering with you? What's, what's the best yeah. way to reach out? Thank you so much for asking that question. I normally get like so excited about telling my story. Um, I've, I've been interviewed a few times now and I forget. So there's a few ways. Simply info at projectforest.ca. Um, the whole team gets those emails and we'll be able to respond directly. Our okay. most active social media platform is LinkedIn. We deal with corporations, not people. Yep. Um, so yep. we, we focus 80% of our social media efforts there. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, we just started a new YouTube channel. So I, I do speaking events right. on public, do ones like this, and we want to be able to capture everything under one space. So somebody really wants to, you know, if they're not tired of my voice, I want to give them more things to listen to and actually bring some videos from the field onto our YouTube stuff. And of course our website um, by end of day tomorrow, it's November 9th, November 10th is the deadline I've given our marketing team. We should yeah. have made um, kind of a, I'll call it a mini overhaul. There's a whole bunch of stuff that was in construction for a while. That was a challenge. It's like, okay, how do I spend money on my website? How do I spend this? How to spend this? I can do LinkedIn. No problem. Not in my sleep, but I think I'm pretty good at it. I'm not a website yeah. guy. I'm a tree guy. Um, yeah. So now our <laughs> communication specialist on board, we gave them some budget. Tomorrow will be a big day for me because I'll be like, oh, uh, there will be a huge weight off my shoulders with our website having some pretty critical information that was missing, call it three weeks ago. Excellent. Yeah. And of course, if you uh, want to just Google Project Forest, I'm sure you're going to be able to find these guys just about anywhere. So uh, I encourage everybody to reach out. And uh, when you're talking about sustainability and, and really being responsible, uh, as corporations, you know, everybody who's listening here, we all have a role to play in that. And so this is one way to achieve some of the goals that we should be working towards to stop some of this crazy climate change uh, that's happening right now. Like if the impact is, is enormous and we can all make a difference. So good on you, Mike, for doing your part on it. I really appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. And thanks for making the time to have a conversation with me. Uh, the more people I can connect with this way, the better we can tell our story. And, you know, I just want to have a chat with somebody. I love to talk about what we do and I'd love to chat with anybody who's listening today. Thank you again for Thanks. Lance for hosting us. Thanks a lot, Mike. I really appreciate you being a guest today. And so for everybody who's listening today, if you are interested in checking out our past episodes, you can head over to our archive, which is over at amplifyyourbusiness.ca. And if you happen to be watching this but would prefer to be listening to an audio only version you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms out there by just searching amplify your business until next time everybody have a wonderful and prosperous day